0: Ladies and gentlemen it's your host ck golden nuggets i'm here with j-rod and today our special guest is spartacus diablo from treari how you doing buddy
1: i'm doing well thanks for having me
0: good 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 to see you and uh like you know jay was saying just before we uh, started recording was uh you know there's a lot of of really great clans out there but ones that stick out to us ones that have been around the community for the longest time or ones like Triari who have earned a vast amount of respect from players all over not just because it's a well-known clan one of the oldest clans but also just because of how well the community comes together you know hosting events for other people and how welcoming you guys are so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself you know how you got involved with Triari and and the kind of lifestyle that Treari brings on
1: Well I mean I don't know where to start I've been with Triari for about a year they are they're just upstanding folks um when I first came to Blitz I came from the console community, and I, I came over to Blitz. I tried to make my own little clan that was kind of an offshoot of something that we were doing on the console, uh, and it, it went nowhere. So I ended up teaming up with Spud, joined Spud for a little while, um, enjoyed my time with them. Spud is, they're, they're very friendly with Triari, got to know a lot of the Triari folks, and uh, ended up partnering with Spud over a couple different things, but it, they're great guys. There's no hard feelings at all. Um and Nickel and Dime approached me to join the Triari uh clan. And uh somehow or another I I tricked them into letting me in.
2: <laughs> and I know uh with Triari there, you know, there's certain requirements, but really they're more uh about personality and, and how you treat people in game and treat people out of the game than it are about specific win rates and all that. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the expectations if you join a clan like that? What do they expect from uh from somebody that's joining?
1: Well, to join, you have to be recommended by a member of Triari. They actually kind of take you under the wing. Uh, You're going to start out, you're going to join one of the recruiting clans. You're not actually considered a full patch member of Triari. Uh, You go through that recruiting clan. You play with members of that clan. Uh, There's going to be some full patch Triari in there. Um, They get to know you. And then depending on how that goes, they'll pass you off to the second uh, recruiting clan. And you, you basically repeat the process. You kind of get, a lot of people get to work with you, get to, get to see what you're bringing to the table, get to decide if you're going to be a good fit. Uh, after that, you are put to a vote. And uh, if, you, if you pass the vote, you're, uh, you become full patch. Uh, Triari has five full patch cl- uh, clans and two recruiting clans. And there's uh, about 240 members in the total clan group right now. Uh, but there's actually far more Triari members, uh, people who've moved on from the game, but are still they take part in uh, in the website or or on Discord.
0: I I was thinking about it the other day. Something that you said, Jay, in a previous podcast was, um, I mean, we were talking about something completely different, but when we talk about almost military-like essence of the game, right? I mean, I know it's a war game and whatever, but a lot of clans don't take their recruiting seriously. And I, I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but a lot of clans will just say, hey, we need have a new spot. We need somebody. You look like you have a decent amount of stats. That's cool. You're in. Um, and Treyari doesn't do like super top tier level, you know, twister level tournaments all the time, but they take their recruiting seriously because they know that they want a very specific, um, you know, like environment in their clan and you have to be kind of like vetted to get into that that situation and the the um, amount of effort and work that goes into that is like really admirable
1: no they definitely they put a lot of work into it and you know i'm not going to say that stats aren't important but stats are secondary to how you fit the team you know you could you could let a there could be a quote unquote not great player um in the, in the clan it's if they're a good fit it's uh, it, it really is it's a great group of people and uh like i said i'm I'm happy to be a part of it
2: you know one of the the jokes that uh, for many of us with the triary is uh the age of the players uh that that may be in the clan but you know for me and i'm i'm an older i'm thirty five uh i feel like you know blitz has a lot of these older players in, in in game and it's not a game that is just played by the you know uh fifteen to twenty five year old age group but uh, is there a general age group that you find in Triari, and, and does that seem to fit uh, with what you see in the game in general? How are you? What do you see from that standpoint? Well,
1: for Triari, you need to be thirty, thirty or older. Um, I've I've moved beyond that time. Uh, thirty is definitely in the rearview mirror. <laughs> but I agree, the game as a whole, uh, it seems a bit like it seems like it has a bit more mature player base. Um, you know, yeah, you, you're going to get kids, but the the folks that I talk to and I've, you know, I've, I've become kind of a part of this community and I talk to a lot of people and you can tell that there's, there's definitely a, a higher
2: maturity level. It's interesting though, in in game, obviously we don't always see that. And and some of us, even that are above 30, don't never, don't always act uh, our age. But the truth is, is, um, Having those older players, it does uh, offer a different type of gaming experience than I think a lot of other games, especially mobile games, have. Uh, and and then for it to go into um, beyond the game where, you know, you have uh, Discord and the and website. And if I recall, you've even gone so far or the, the clan has gone so far as to have uh, in-person meetings and such. Uh, it really is cool to see that. So um, is that something you guys are still doing from the the off, or in-person type of thing? Are you actually seeing each other and, and cooking out and doing some of that stuff as well? Or, or does that not happen anymore?
1: I believe there was a meeting in Philadelphia last year. Uh, I don't think we've had one since. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been kind of a pandemic that <laughs> has, uh, has slowed things down a little bit as far as those, uh, those things are concerned. Um, but no, the clan is very social. We, we have a Gladiator Night on Wednesdays, which is it's, I believe, it's one of the longest running kind of community events in the game. I mean, Triaria was a clan before it was a clan, and before clans, were, before clans were available. Um, and uh, Gladiator Night's been a part of the part of the game, almost since the beginning.
2: And for those that may not know, what explain what Gladiator Night is, if you don't mind.
1: Oh, sorry. Gladiator Night is basically we all get on voice chat, and we just have a mass count in. We're all picketeer. here. Um, there's no there's no rigging or any of that nonsense. It's a free for all, but it's just a bunch of people on voice having a good time, fighting each other in tanks.
0: Uh, and I think uh, I've made it to quite a few myself. And I, the, one of the things I love is that um, most of the time you guys will start off with a random tier, and then you'll just go up and back down from like, uh, let's say you start at a five, you'll go up to ten, then down to five again. You'll just keep going back and forth, which is really uh, exactly. it's really fun. Yeah, to keep it keep it fresh
2: some of these other random modes like uprising and all that as well, or do you tend to stick to just pub matches?
1: Uh, we did do some of the random modes. Unfortunately, I haven't been as active in gladiator night. Just it's been, I've had a lot of things going on work-wise that have, have pulled me away. But when the, when the modes are out there, they we use the modes.
0: I mean, as you should, <laughs> if you get a chance to, it's, they're definitely hilarious. But, um, but yeah, speaking of, uh, of new stuff coming out, we were looking earlier at the 7.0 release and i know that the wargaming just put their new uh, fancy schmancy video in the news section in game about the upcoming like stuff that's coming in the future not necessarily 7.0 but just generally down the road to give players an idea of what uh, what's coming up and some of the stuff there some like i was eyeballing some really important stuff i mean most people already knew that the british lights were coming um, you know some nerfs to Sheridans and buffs to the Bad Chat and a couple other basic stuff, but they did give us a glimpse of some really interesting stuff, like new tanks we hadn't seen before, some premiums, 8s and nines, uh, as well as the new European line, which I believe is the Kronvang line, um, Swedish. You were saying in in uh, World of Tanks PC, so it's going to be really. What are your thoughts on those? The uh, the new um, the new tanks coming out.
1: Well, some of them I cannot comment on. I am excited. For the french or the French, I love the French lights I'm excited for the british lights um the more light tanks, the better i i really i play the hell out of light tanks it's a it's a problem um as far as the man i'm gonna mess this up the courier uh, <laughs> <no. laughs> rev like that um just based off looks i mean i I never played it on p c but it just looks like a monster i mean it it the the angles the armor uh that gun it's it's gonna be just it looks op just based off of what I'm seeing here and i and it's just purely conjecture on my part, but that looks like a hard take to balance
0: sure, yeah, definitely, because I mean like the whole point of the tank, or at least its main capability in one of the tanks p c is that it's not supposed to be penetrable while it's all down, right? You get 12 degrees of gun depression. You know, you're supposed to be pretty much impervious to everything. And um, I think like you were mentioning before in, in PC or, or uh, even the, the mobile uh, or sorry, the um, console version mercenaries, both of those uh, tanks can be balanced in the Swedish lines via artillery. Uh, Yeah. You've
1: got a lot of clickers who uh, enjoy nailing those tanks that are holding still. And I know we have missiles, and, and I'm sure we can have a lively discussion about what missiles bring to the game. But hitting someone with a missile for 450 isn't the same as, and I'm coming from a console perspective, so please keep that in mind. But it's not the same as as clicking on someone for
2: for 1300
1: or or higher. So I don't know how that's going to work in this game.
2: I guess my question would be: Is what? benefit is there to play another tank versus this tank i mean if it if it can do what a badger does or do what you know even an is4 or something like that can do where it can just sit there and hold down uh how do you balance a tank like this
1: well it depends on how they go with the gun i mean they could do a longer clip. um they could just screw with the dispersion values they could screw with the traverse i mean there, there's ways to to give it that armor and to give it that tech the to, to put that technique they're looking for in the game without um, completely breaking it. But even then that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one.
2: Well I think we've seen over and over again that Wargaming tends to err on the side of initial release being OP and then nerfing beyond that to to something that's more sustainable, if you will. So I you know I, I think you're probably right that it, it probably will come out and and be very, very strong, if not completely broken, and then you know, back it off from there, and that, that tends to be the model I think we've seen with War over the last uh, few updates, where where new tank lines have come out, where the you know the, the top tier tank, whatever that line, whether it be the Progetto or or anything along those lines, comes out extremely strong, and then they kind of back or the Sheridan for that matter, uh, and then they back it down from there. So I think that uh, you know we can all be excited about it certainly for a few updates, and then hopefully it continues to be a good tank beyond that.
1: Well, I think that's definitely part of their business practice is, you know, they get, they get people excited for what's coming and there's no better way to do that than to make them think they're getting the, the next best thing.
2: So, you, know, you mentioned that you're a big light tank player and all that. With the, uh, the Vickers light coming out and that, that tier uh, 8 or 10 British tank line, uh, you've got to be excited. I mean, it's only, what, six days away, seven days away until it, it hits. Uh, do, you, do you anticipate playing this quite a bit when it comes out? I,
1: I do. Um, I've got about 30 million in credits and probably close to 400,000 free XP stashed away, so I'll have the Vickers on day one. Uh, But to be honest, I I can't I can't talk about the tier 10, but the tier 8 looks like a little monster just based off of I don't have the stats in front of me, but from what I saw, it looks it looks mean.
2: Yeah, the uh, the the what is it a three and a half second reload? I mean, it's a a low alpha gunfire calls 190 on the alpha, but it was a very fast reload. And, and it seems like it could just get there and blaze away. It'll be it'll be interesting to see where this fits relative to the French lights. And then certainly uh, the American lights that are out there right now. I mean, it really is a different niche and to have a, a single shot light tank, especially a tier 10 will be will be something we haven't seen before. And and I'm glad to see that, that war game is continuing to expand and offer different, you know, different options and, and uh all as they continue to add to the game. So it'll be cool. I know we only got a few days uh to wait till it comes out and we'll, we'll we'll be out there and be able to enjoy it pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the um the, the single shot on the tier eight, it looks interesting because it really reminds me of that centurion playstyle where you're focusing more on your armor and your fast rate of fire than you are in your speed because I, lo- I was looking at it and the tier 8 doesn't have too much speed like when you compare it to an ru or even a lightweight so i'm curious to see how much armor they're giving it at least just on the turret because obviously it's going to have really nice uh, hull down capabilities so if you're if you're objective with the light tank um, and from what i've seen from the prelim- preliminary stats on on uh, blitz stars and stuff like that or, or blitz hanger is that the line is going to be more focused on like hull down you know tank some shots with your really effective armor angling and then high DPM. And I I'd, I'd really like that kind of meta, that kind of gameplay style from tanks, because it reminds me of the, the back, back in the days where the Comet was one of the most viable Tier 7s.
1: I agree, but it, it makes me... The Centurion Mark I has got to be cry, Not Mark I, but the Centurion One has got to be crying in a corner what, wondering what its point is it right now. I mean, this tank basically, just looking at, at it on paper, seems to make the Centurion just obsolete.
2: You know, they they continue to do that. I mean, you got the Centurion, to your point, the Centurion Mark 1, which made the tank more obsolete already. And then, yeah. uh, obviously, with this coming out and other tanks. But I will say, you know, if you look at, like, for instance, the Panther 2. The uh, Panther 2 has been quite possibly one of the worst tanks in game, certainly one of the worst tanks in Tier 8 for a long, long time. And just the simple uh, buffing of the the upper front that they had this this most recent uh update has made that a really good tank i mean it plays a lot more like an e50 now than, than it ever has uh and so you know I, I do think to your point they they tend to move around and, and they'll give a buff here and a buff there um uh, but to your point the these new tanks and especially the premium tanks are so much better than their tech tree versions that that they really becomes irrelevant to play i mean it's almost you just want to get through them and get to the decent one whether it be the centurion seven one uh our I guess to degree, like the FE2, it's 4202. Um, but, but they're not viable tanks in game beyond getting through them uh, for the most part, unless you're just you know, you know, stat padding your W and 8 and trying to get that up, which that's a one way to do it for, uh, for that. But uh, beyond that, there's just no real reason to play those tanks anymore.
0: I think it's no, just, and, like they're like tanks lost to time, right? Like, uh, you know, the Centurion Mark I, Might be better in every aspect right now in terms of like armor speed stuff like that but um eventually you know tanks like the canarvern and the centurion will i or i assume at least because otherwise it wouldn't really be that good of a business practice it'd be clear pay to win on the on the premium side but eventually they should buff the Carnarvon and the centurion up to their premium counterparts the the mark one and the the action x um and then realistically your your choice of of tank there is based on whether you want to make money so you pick the action X if you want to make money, um, but the standard Carnarvon would have some other benefit to it, like uh, you know they would buff its DPM a little bit more, or they'd give it um, you know more speed or ground resistance or whatever. And then obviously in the Centurion's case, it's a single shotgun, which is more reliable than an auto loader. Um, but uh, but yeah, hopefully they do something about it because like you were saying, the Centurion right now is just obsolete. Like it's kind of sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's got the good pen. But that's really all that's got good for going for it right now and i think this light tank is there's no, there's not going to be any reason to play it other than the pad winning you know take that out or take your pershing out and you could be super unicum in no time but i i honestly think it's it's coming back to something we talked about for a second i think it's a business decision decision on wargaming's part um you make parts of the line awful and people want to spend money to get past them so i don't know that we'll ever see a perfect line uh any with the exception of probably the, uh, the Sheridan line. I, I loved every tank in that one.
0: I was going to say, I think there's also a necessity for those bad tanks to exist um, just in terms of balance throughout the game. So, you know, some people will say that tanks constantly need to be improving, otherwise the game will get boring, which, you know, has a certain degree of, of you know, trueness to it. But you can add new tanks to the game that are, like, equally as good or slightly better than other tanks and that will you know balance out or or revamp your your system in a way that it's like not not boring anymore but you will always need some bad tanks quote unquote because if you just keep buffing everything every time it's the bottom of the barrel like every time something's the new worst tank you just say like oh man this is the worst now i'll buff it you're going to continually buff everything to a degree where it's like we just can't buff these anymore right like there's no like i you know after a while if you just keep buffing things like the the panther 2 for example like jay brought up you know it had whatever 120 armor on the hull and on the turret or worse on the worse on the hull i think and and 120 on the turret and they were like all right we're going to buff both the hull and the turret so now the turret's like 160 and the hull's like 130 or 120 140 some, somewhere in there how many times like you know if the game circles around and things new things get added they're even more overpowered premiums and they keep buffing stuff how much how much longer are you gonna be able to go oh yeah i've just buffed the the panther's turret up to 180 and the front hall up to 160 it's like how far can you take that before it's like this is silly because now a tier eight is able to contest a tier nine or tier nines are able to easily contest tier tens so they just have to leave some of these kind of like poor tanks at the bottom to keep them grounded so they're like hey you can't buff that because imagine if you buffed it like to that level and then it went and fought a centurion like it would obliterate it so it's they're like good anchors to keep us grounded
1: I agree, and I think part of the issue that Wargaming has put themselves in is their unwillingness to nerf premiums. Now, if you read the, uh, the, the end-user end license agreement, it's there. They can do it, but they've just been very hesitant to do it. And because of that, it's, it becomes a contest of buffing tanks to try and ninja nerf whatever the, the, the last OP premium was. And I think that's, that's the core of the problem we've got with some of the balancing decisions they make.
2: It is, and you you look at uh, why they do that. And to me, it's it's almost a marketing tool in a lot of ways. They want that tank that is OP, and certainly was OP, even if they buff around it. You know, like a like a Smasher or a uh, a WZ fake tank or something like that, because it, it causes people to want to buy those and and to spend the money to get to them. And so, a lot of it to me is intentional uh, for for why they do that. But then the other thing is because we are plus one, minus one, match one, uh, matchmaking. Um, I think that the, there's almost a butterfly effect. So if they, they change one thing in one tier, you know, that changes something in another tier and then another tier and so forth and so on. And so I think that constant buffing and nerfing has to do with the changes around it, not only within the tier, but the tiers below it and above it. And and there wants to, you know, you want there to be a balance. Um, you know, if you could do, playing across the board same tier matchmaking to be it'd be a lot easier to balance but because they are doing the plus one minus one which does make it very interesting uh to me they have to do a lot of those things more uh on the buffing and nerfing side than they would otherwise
1: well i'm one of those crazy people who wishes we had plus two minus two so
2: were you around when that uh when that existed
1: i was that's and, and that's where i came from on console i remember I remember playing the, the, the Chafee and seeing it was a Tier 5 at the time, and I'm in Tier 10 matches. And there was no margin for error, but, man, when it worked, it was fun. And I feel like plus one is kind of kind of taken that away.
2: So yeah. what did you enjoy most about the plus two, minus two? I mean, you mentioned the challenge of it. Um, do you feel like it was a good thing for them to get rid of it in the game, or do you wish they'd had it? Do you think it would be better for the game if they'd kept it?
1: All right, so that's a that's a that's a rough question and here's why. I think we would have better players in the game right now if we had plus 2 minus 2 because it teaches you how to play a tank at its absolute weakest. On the other hand, I think we'd have a lot less players.
2: So you just, uh, you brought up a loaded subject in a lot of ways for me that I, I really am curious your thoughts on. I, I've seen a, a occasional comments on the forums or whatever, but you tend to keep a low profile on some of this stuff. Um, what do you think we could do or Game could do to, to help improve the player base? You've been around since the get go. You've seen the plus two, minus two, and you mentioned, you know, you think maybe that would help players uh, improve because it teaches them. But surely there's some other stuff that, that could be done, little things uh, that could help. What do you think could be done to improve the player base in general, and certainly just the education of the players that we have.
1: So I think that's a tough subject.
2: Um, if you want to skip it, you can, you're more than welcome to say pass.
1: No, I'm not going to skip it, but I'm afraid of the, uh, I'm afraid of the path you've just put us on. <laughs> um, I don't know that some of these players can be taught to learn. Um, I, I've honestly been thinking a lot about this, and I've, I'm starting to wonder if we're the strange ones for taking the game so seriously and wanting to do well at it. Because for a lot of people, this is, you know, um, I remember, uh, what was his name? The the lead of Spud. He used to call this Poop Tanks because it's what he did when he took a dump. It just was something to do. And, you know, I've I've made comments on Discord where, for us, it's important. We want to do well. We, we want to excel. But for a good chunk of the player base, it's just something to do while their mom is trying on clothes at Target. It, it, it doesn't have the same level of importance. And to, for Wargaming to try and teach people to do better, there has to be that willingness to learn. And unfortunately, I just think that there's a good chunk of our player base who
2: doesn't have that.
1: Uh, the, the players that do have that willingness to learn, there are resources everywhere. There is Discord. There's the forum. Um, there's YouTube channels left and right. Um, there, there, there's ways to go. You've got, you've got Blitzstars. You've got Blitzhanger. You can look at you know penetration values and armor values. All that stuff's out there for someone who says, damn, I suck. I want to do better. But you have to reach that point where you go, I want to do better. And there's no way that Wargaming or any of us can make an individual player or a group of individual players go, I am awful, I need to do better.
0: I don't is that do you really think that's true though? I think like if people had learning tools, not I'm not gonna say forced upon them, but like presented to them in the beginning of the game, saying, here's a standard of which we hold our game to, you know, you don't have to be there. Nobody's expecting you to be there. But if you want to reach this, here's how you would get it. Right? If that was presented to people, I think the number of people would have a willingness to learn would probably increase.
2: I could go either way on that. I think like I've watched
1: my son do tutorials on other games. He doesn't pay attention. He's watching YouTube on his phone while the tutorial goes through and then he clicks things until he gets to where he can go past it. And I think that's that's something that we see with a lot of our players. They they just don't I don't think they bring the give a care that's necessary. Now, what I think wargaming could do is motivate players to do better uh by making their performance more visible i mean we've all talked about how horrible military honor is because it's purely opinion there's no there's nothing factual backing up military honor so to for ah, man i'm stumbling I tell you how long of a work day it's been i'm sorry <laughs>
2: it's all good hey it's been the same for me man i don't worry about it like i said ck does a great job editing this uh so you know he he's able to slice it together where you don't know the difference so whenever that happens take all a right. deep breath and just continue like nothing else and, and he'll be able to spl- <laughs> splice it together for you
1: so i just don't see how wargaming can impart that give a care on people that's something that they have to do on their own uh, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And we've got a we've got a subset of players who just don't want to drink.
2: So I'm of the opinion that nobody likes to lose, right? I mean, whether it be in cards, pickup basketball, or or whatever it may be, nobody likes to lose. And uh, I think a lot of the toxicity in game is is obviously because people do care about winning and and not wanting to to lose constantly. I think their challenge that I've seen is there really is a level of ignorance. Uh, And what I mean by that is people don't know why they're losing. And so obviously they, it must be the team. It must be whatever else. It surely can't be me. Uh, But I think a lot of it is they just don't know what they don't know. And what I mean by that is just simple things like, you know, when to flip to, uh, to heat and why you can't shoot heat through a fence or, uh, hey, why you shouldn't go by yourself in a T57 on the flank, because if you get caught out there, you're going to be caught, you know, just basic little things that that if you could do a tuto tutorial um, or even a video, a brief video and say, hey, if you want to win, watch this. I think people would want to learn. Uh, they just don't know how to learn, if that makes sense. And I agree with you on on Sparkus on the the, the tools. I will also say that my experience for anybody, if it's not easy and accessible, most people aren't going to do it. And so even when you say, well, it's on YouTube, I mean, it's three clicks of a button away. That's not easy enough. And I I mean, I hate to say that. I know that's stupid and and we're all lazy, but that's, that's the reality of it. To me, if you want people to learn, it has to be in their face. It has to be in game. It has to be simple, and that's where I think there's there's opportunity um, if to choose to do so. And then they, you know, again, they only have limited budgets and limited development cycles and everything else. So they, they got to pick and choose what they do. And this is not necessarily a revenue generator for them. But uh, I do think that if they do these things, it'll improve the player base. It'll improve players that truly have no idea what they're doing whatsoever and hopefully make the overall game a better experience for everybody.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate just because. I enjoy doing it. But you gave the example of the T 57 flanking alone. If he hasn't learned by tier 10 that flanking alone in a T 57 is dumb, there isn't a video out there that's gonna make him go, Oh, that was I shouldn't do that. I mean, that's like saying I smash my hand my thumb with a hammer every time I work on something, and then I watched the video saying don't sw- don't smash your thumb with a hammer, and I was like, Oh, that makes sense.
0: There's enough uh, educational videos out there that you could watch and misconstrue the level of education needed as a prerequisite to use that information. So for example, right, if you want to fix your house up and you don't know the first thing about electricity and you go to like Home Depot or something, some local place, you buy a book, it says how to fix, you know, how to rewire your house or whatever. And you go in, you know, you stumble around maybe you burn yourself a little bit and eventually you'll fix it. And you're like, that was, you know, I did good. Then something goes wrong later, and you're like, ah, crap. I have no clue what went wrong. Gotta hire the electrician. Electrician comes in, he goes, What the hell did you do in here? Absolutely just shredded it. Okay. And you realized that the book that you bought wasn't, you know, how to fix electricity for dummies. It was like, How to fix electricians, like 2.0. And you should have read the How to Get It for Dummies first. YouTube videos aren't like that. They're not as easy as reading a book that says how to for dummies. You have to go out and sift through information to figure out who's creating videos for brand new people that have no clue what's going on, or they could watch some guy like Bushka, right? Who's definitely not saying like, here's how you aim. Here's how you side scrape, right? Like Bushka might not be the best player in the world, but he's definitely not performing for the 40% audience. So you might see something he does there where he goes off maybe with just him, himself or one other guy, so just two guys go alone on the flank and someone goes, Oh, he flanked with his fifty-seven. I should try that. Right? These are things that people wouldn't easily know the difference between if they're a fairly poor player.
2: I'll 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 accept that. I just don't know. I'm not saying a new
1: tutorial wouldn't be good, and I'm not saying that players wouldn't there there wouldn't be players who take things away from a better tutorial or how-to videos. I'm just saying that I don't think the percentage of players who would would be that game-altering.
0: Yeah, I can agree with you there. There's definitely a lot of people... Like, the, the argument that I've had to make to myself and to a lot of people that I know is that when you get worked up in a game and you see another person doing something silly or very, very, like making very poor decisions and they just lost you the game, um, unless it's fairly clear that it's a bot because they're just spinning in circles or whatever. Um, most of the time I have to tell people that get worked up, including myself, that like, hey, relax, it's probably just a kid. Like nine times out of ten, if you see somebody just running off and they just commit suicide, they die immediately, get zero damage. It's most likely somebody that just handed their iPad to a five year old, and there's really nothing you can do there. So, you know, you gotta keep that in the back of your mind. Or there's there's people that like they picked it up for the first time and you're at like tier seven or eight, they just bought a tier seven or eight premium and they have no clue what's going on. And unfortunately, that's just, that's just part of the game.
1: Yes, it is. And I, honestly, I don't mind those players because I, I, I would prefer the player who picks up the game and buys a tier 8 premium and then fails hard in it because A, they're vested in it, and they have, they're going to have the want to try and improve to get the value out of however much money they just spent, and B, they're supporting the game. The one that I've got no tolerance for and the player that just really bugs the hell out of me is the one who has played and failed their way up. They failed their way through six and seven and eight. And now they're up here in tier 10 doing the same shit that they failed with all the way up the line. And when you try and help them, you know, hey, man, I, 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 I try to send friendly messages. Um, maybe try this next time. And then you get back, you know, a poorly spelled profanity-laced, Uh, message about you and your mom and your sister and it's like that's the type of player that unfortunately i think we have we have more of than we need and i don't know that it's it's just the nature of a free-to-play game or what but those are the those are the ones who most need the the tutorial videos or the, the the tutorial and i think that they're also the most likely to learn absolutely nothing from them where the guy who bought a premium and jumped into the pool uh, and is now way over his head, that guy probably could use a tutorial and he'd probably take it and learn from it. And, and when you see those people and maybe you send them a message, check out Lushka or check out BBJ's video for um, tanker terms. Um, they'll go check it out and maybe they'll come back as a better player. But like I said, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to just poo all over a new tutorial, but I don't think it's gonna I don't think it would address a lot of the issues that some of the members of the community have.
2: To your end, I mean what I would say is, you know, for those players that you mentioned that are are that bad and in either incapable or unwilling to learn, fell their way up to tier 10 and then then are there and and really affecting the the game experience negatively for others, those are the ones that I feel like there needs to be something done about. But where it starts to me is you know, highlighting those players that are like that. And what I would like to see is something even along the lines of a a, a bad player downvote, if you will, post game that the player never sees, right? But that goes in wargaming tracks and they see enough of them. And, and even if you gave everybody one a day, so you can only use your one a day on, on the right player. But if you see that one player, it's in there a 35 percenter in tier 10 with an average of 200 damage a game. You know that that's the kind of player that there needs to be something done about are you and pulling you're up like able that? To do it <laughs> <laughs> No yours uh, yours obviously is is much better and and that's but that's the point is like you're a good player you understand these things for to give someone like you two down votes Where a day and that you have earned the trust because of your skills and whatever other metrics you want to look at to give you the ability to say oh man I've seen this player he's something needs to be done downvote and wargaming sees that, maybe they give him a, not a warning per se, maybe they give him the opportunity to do something to improve, you know, uh a tutorial or whatever else. But if it continues, at what point, you know, do you not remove a player like that? And I know that's blasphemy. I mean, don't remove players, but <laughs> if it's a player that's causing that much heartache for the rest of the team, you're hurting the game by letting them continue to play. Even if they paid 30, 40 bucks for uh one or two premiums or something like that. Those are the type of players that hurt the game so bad for the rest of us. Why not get them out? Why not go ahead and remove them out entirely? And, and that would make it better. And again, I know that's, that's blasphemy. That There's probably nothing they'll never do. But that, those are the ones to me that just there needs to be something done about.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think you say it's blasphemy to remove a player, but Wargaming has done it before. And they haven't. The, the, in, in my opinion five point five which some people are still horribly against five point five was about removing a subsective player. It was about removing the person who sat at tier five wasn't spending money and was driving away new players you know the 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 player the career player who's got forty thousand games between uh the a twenty and the leo it, it, that 5.5 was about getting that person to either move up or move out. And I think that we did lose a a portion of players when it happened, which I think was good. I think it needed to happen. So I don't think wargaming is above removing players. Um, I think to a lesser extent, I think 3.8 may have been somewhat geared towards removing some veteran players because it Wargaming had to have known how upsetting it was going to be going in. Uh, I know the top clans were saying this is a horrible idea. Um, I think Wargaming doesn't mind moving out players who they feel are no longer uh, financially supporting the game as much as they could be. That's a controversial thing to say, but I I think that they've, in a way, they've done it before.
0: Well, it's definitely far easier for wargaming to add new players to the game you know add new some shiny objects that seem really good really broken or whatever somewhat pay to win potentially and bring in people who are willing to spend money it's far better financially for them to do that than continue to appease long-term players even if the long-term players have you know spent lots and lots of money right like you know members like us who have almost bought every tank in the game or i shouldn't say all of us but anyway Players who have bought almost every tank of the game—you could think of them as their, uh, as theoretical, um, you know, cash vaults that have reached their maximum potential, right? They've already bought everything; they're done. There's nothing else they can purchase other than maybe more premium time, right? So unless Wargaming gaming is constantly bringing out new stuff that they want you to buy, it's more worth for them to just appease new players who are willing to just buy everything all over again, right? They've already gotten all the the theoretical value out of those players who bought everything so it makes sense if they start adding a bunch of stuff to the game that brings in new players who are willing to buy all these new broken kind of overpowered stuff i mean it's silly and it makes some of us you know veterans want to leave the game because it's annoying um but as a business practice i can understand why they do it
1: well i would take that even a step farther um yeah we're veterans we've put a lot of money in and we probably aren't going to be putting a whole lot more unless there's something amazing we're also potentially especially if, if you're good at the game you're potentially driving away other customers because nobody likes showing up and then seeing one guy do six thousand damage while you're sitting there at a thousand on the other team wondering what the hell tornado just hit me so I'm not saying that, that Wargaming wants to drive away all the good players because having good players is, it, it helps them also advertise the game. You know, the, uh, Twister, you've, you've got all these, these good players coming out and doing their thing, which makes people go, wow, I want to be like that. But if there's too many good players and there's too many new players coming in, I think it's detrimental to the, the growth of the game.
2: Which I do think is part of the reason why they've they've really pushed uh, the ratings recently over the last few months and 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 made it more hopefully more beneficial to player ratings, you know, whether it be the camo or the ability to, to, to win the fearless um, and by doing so, I think to your point spark is that that they are trying to take some of those new players and or not new players but good players and then and move them out of pubs and incentivize them into ratings so that maybe they're not as many. In the pub games you know to your point decimating uh the the worst players uh and so i i think that that may have something to do with why they're doing the ratings just trying to pull some of those players out and really tear it if you will based on skill within the ratings and and not having the pub and so that would make sense uh as to why they're doing that
1: well it's not going to work with me because i'm a pub player through and through i don't do anything else so sorry wargaming fair enough
0: um, but uh, yeah there's been a lot of things that recently I've been looking at you know or I, I won't even say recently like over the past couple of years that um, you know more more often than not you'll see something you will go wow that seems kind of silly right fairly pay-to-win ask and I don't necessarily have a problem with it I mean I'm I'll be the first to admit I'm a huge wallet warrior totally fine with me to say that I'll buy anything that they send my way but um, it's definitely there's going to be like some negative effect if they keep releasing things that are just, you know, copy this tank, paste it, you know, boost the HP, boost the the pen, boost the alpha, whatever it is, and then release it for $50. I've seen that time and time again for the past two, two years or so now. Um, and it's, it's getting a little annoying. And I feel like one of the things we were talking earlier that, that really helped with this, at least in, in some level of, of mitigation for this was plus two minus two. Now, I'll preface this with the fact that i hate plus two minus two i hated it i played the first two years of the game i did not like it at all but it definitely uh had a very um you know imp- a huge impact on negating the effects of really powerful tanks because if you're a tier eight and you're the best tank in your tier it's irrelevant when you fight tier tens like they're gonna stomp all over you so you know it was better better in that sense for like mitigating pay to win kind of stuff but um but i'm definitely more happy in, in like just in a general sense with the play the gameplay with the plus 1 minus 1
1: Yeah Now coming back to the the plus 2 minus 2 I I still feel like players who came up in that environment learned so many better habits Players who came up in that environment are the ones who learn that I don't need to take this shot from this bush because my shot from this bush is going to get me 200 alpha. But if I stay here and I'm not spotted, I've got all of them lit up and my team can just pluck away at them and I'm getting assist damage and I'm going to get the win. Even though I'm not getting the damage, I'm going to get the win. Same with the idea of tracking someone, you know, I I, on Discord. Well, I can't pen them. I can't pen them. That tank's overpowered because I can't pen them. You can't pen them, but you can track that 252U in the open and someone on your team can pen them. And I just think plus two, minus two really hit home the team aspect of the game. And I feel like we've lost that to an extent with with plus one, minus one.
0: I agree. I think there's definitely some positives that you miss because you don't have those tanks that could absolutely destroy you and therefore you don't feel as much um worry or like uh you know there's not a huge not as huge of a negative impact with your mistakes right you're the the game is more lenient in plus one minus one so you feel like oh i'll just push i'll be more aggressive i'll do something silly that'll get me killed and you think like that's just how the game is supposed to be Um, because you still have a decent impact when you do something that's not great like yoloing a a tank that's one tier higher than you right they're not going to you know obliterate you as quickly as a plus two tank could but i think just as easily as you can learn things you can benefit from things uh, by playing as the bottom tier you also are held back by your experience as a top tier right you don't learn anything by just playing your your 252u and obliterating little tier sixes that have literally no chance of ever defeating you um and i mean you could make an argument that that's kind of fun and if like stomping on <laughs> on people that have literally no chance to beat you is is fun then that's cool, that's your thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, judge you for it, but um but I don't really think as far in terms of learning, I don't think that would really improve the player base for a bunch of people who are like forty to fifty percent that are kind of still getting the hang of the game to just play IS3s and go around dominating E8s is not really going to teach you anything. If anything, it's going to make you play more lax as an IS3, and then you're gonna you know do things you shouldn't. I
1: agree. Uh, like I said from the beginning, I think if we had plus two minus two, we would have a we'd have a better, more tactically minded player base, but we would also have a much smaller player base, and ultimately that would be bad for the game. But I just miss I miss what we I miss what plus two minus two brought to the table
0: in terms of learning how to do well in even the crappiest of situations. They should they should uh, think about making some kind of two v two. Um, or sorry, plus two minus two um, sub game mode that'd be really cool.
2: Agreed. and c k to your point, you know these these things seem interesting until you know that nostalgia factor is awesome until you actually end up doing it. It's like, oh this I remember this a different way i I, uh, I thought this was a lot easier, a lot harder or whatever it may be, and then you get into it it may may end up being different um, than, than what you remember. I mean, it's like the old maps, right? I mean, a lot of those old maps were really wonky in a lot of ways with the ridge lines and the things that they had but a lot of us remember them fondly because you could you could abuse it you could do certain things and so uh what i found is those things are cool in memory and then you end up popping it in and playing it uh and it's not quite what you remembered so you know to your point you know uh until we actually experience it in a a game mode where they bring it back uh
0: it's all i guess it's all just memory at this point
1: it's all yeah, academic I, at this point
0: for sure i did i had the same uh, thing you're talking about with ratings where i played ratings the first time I, they they introduced the ratings game mode uh or sorry um realistic game mode is what i meant and the first time i played it i was like oh this is phenomenal it's great i love it i can't wait for them to bring this back and when they brought it back for the second time it was like horrendous like i don't know maybe it was just because you know i it was nice to have a change for once and the fact that you like could see the enemy at any time there was no spotting mechanic whatever um it was nice but um but yeah when they brought it back i was like this is actually horrendous like <laughs> it was not great so you know if they bring back a plus two type thing um i'd be interested to see how they would balance it because you can't just like you know like to your point you can't bring back the game mode and just like plug everything in and say like oh here here we go because it'll probably be way worse than we remember it um because well, all the tanks uh, currently are balanced for plus one minus one right so you would need exactly. to do yeah a huge amount of rebalancing
1: that was what I was st- going to say, is everything's been balanced around plus one, minus one.
2: Well, and you still had those legacy features for some of those tanks. You know, if you look back then, I mean, as an example, uh, and you can really see them on the premiums, uh, but like the Type 62, um, it's a tier seven light tank. It's got, you know, good stats, fast, all those things. But if you look at the heat pen on the, the premium ammo, it's uh, I think it's like 275 or something, it's something crazy for a tier seven. And it was because it was balanced during the time of plus two, minus two. And uh, and so if you were to take all the tanks that currently exist, you know, that have been balanced for plus one, minus one, I don't think that, that uh, it would turn out quite the way we think it, it would. It would be maybe a bit of a cluster.
0: I mean, that's a perfect example of another tank that they just didn't nerf because it was premium, right? Like all the tier seven lights have their heat penetration nerfed to 200 millimeters, which is totally fine and acceptable at a tier seven level. If you're fighting tier eights and you only have, 200 heat premium pen you're still going to struggle to fight some tier 8 heavies whereas i think it's 250 on the dragon and, and 275 if you use calibrated um 275 heat on on a dragon it's going to pen some tier 10s from the front right like that's more penetration than uh, tier 10 mediums have standard so that's that's insane right um and, and i mean if they had nerfed the dragon to the same point as the other tier 7s it would be totally there'd be nothing wrong with it um, but it's a huge selling point, like whenever they sell the dragon, even if they do it for for on sale or whatever, everybody's like, oh, just straight up best tier seven light in the game. Like, why wouldn't you get it? <laughs>
1: we need to get off this subject because I don't want them touching the
0: dragon. <laughs> I mean, I'm not enticing them or saying that they should, but it's it would <laughs> definitely be better for balance. But, but yeah, I love my dragon. It's a great vehicle. Well, it's really a
2: precedent. Right. They're so, so loath to, to change. And, and we've seen, I mean, it, to me, if they're going to change it, it's probably not going to be the dragon first. I mean, if there's anything it needs to be probably the smasher. I mean, same problem too. I mean, it's a heat pin, uh, amongst, uh, everything else, but you know, they, there are tanks that need it, um, a lot worse than to me than the type 62. And so, uh, hopefully if they do these things, they'll, they'll do them one at a time. And you, you may have a little bit of a forewarning before it happens. Um, uh, you Got know, it. Spark, it's one of the things you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Kind of coming back to that is just the comments on Discord and and how different players you know talk about. Well, how do you pin this? How do you pin that? Uh, I know one of the things you do in addition to to playing with Triari and playing the game is is you mod, uh, you moderate for the Discord uh, channel, the, the World of Blitz World Takes Blitz uh, official Discord channel, mind you. And, uh, you know, you're not an employee of of Wargaming, obviously. You do this on your own time and everything else. But what do you see as a mod? How, is, how does that really, you know, personify itself uh, on the Discord channel? Like what, what are the things that you see as a mod uh, on the Discord channel?
1: Well, I read a lot of things, and I think that they're sarcastic, or they're being facetious, and they're not, which still... Sometimes some of the stuff I see on there blows my mind. Sometimes, but overall, I, I see that we've got a great community. I mean, I like talking with the people who are on there. We have some bad eggs. We've got some people who like to just come in and, and start, you know, spamming nonsense and profanity. But I, we set, we tend to run a pretty fair ship. It's strict. the 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 official page is strict. There's no there's no denying that. But it's it's for a reason it, that page is supposed to be a page for every member of the community and someone with a 40% win rate who wants to learn shouldn't walk into that environment and see a bunch of people talking about how bad 40%ers are that, that's just my opinion and i think we do a pretty good job of, of trying to keep that from happening
2: so well, i've seen the same thing i mean uh you've got you know a mix of players from all kinds of demographics, all types of skill sets, certainly, and and uh, you know even ages and, and all that. So it's it's a great mix. It's a great community. And to your point, it really has to appeal to everybody. Um, within that grouping of players, do you find that the Discord channel, as an example, has a younger demographic than what you would see typically, or or is it a balance of younger and older players both?
1: I think it's a pretty good balance. I will say that we have a higher skill set group there generally, uh, because going back to kind of the original discussion here, players who want to improve or are improving are more active in seeking out other players, uh, other other ways to improve. So I think the Discord draws those people in. We don't get a lot of people who are in their thirty percent in that thirty percent range. We get some 40 percenters, but we've got a lot of 50 percenters, some 60 percenters, and, and obviously some you know, top 1% of the 1% type players. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of veterans. We've got a lot of uh, members of, of really good clans. Um, I think we've, our, our, our group is, is more leaning towards the more skilled of the player base, but we still have our your average player in there.
2: And then, how much interaction do you have really with wargaming and the wargaming staff? Is it something where they've kind of handed you the keys to the kingdom, if you will, and said, "Hey, enjoy, have at it, manage it how you will"? Or do you do you have regular conversations with uh, with Ribble and others where you know you can give them feedback, uh, appropriate feedback, and things like that? Are you able to do that as well?
1: I talk with Ribble Stripe periodically. Um, all of us do. We've got our own little channels that we can kind of have communication amongst ourselves. We will. We'll talk to each other before we reach a decision. We want to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, when, we, when I started, I wasn't one of the first moderators here. I started as a community helper. Uh, but it, when I started as a moderator, there was already a list of guidelines of, you know, what, sort of uh, what sort of sanction goes in place if there's this infraction. Um, and we stick to those guidelines that have been set by Wargaming. But yeah, we we'll talk with Ribble Stripe, he'll offer direction. Uh, really nice guy. I I enjoy it. I I can't do things I don't enjoy. So if I wasn't enjoying this, I I'd be out.
2: Well, the truth is is you know with um, with some of the challenges that you've seen from time to time with players on there that get angry at the mods and things like that, what what people need to realize is that you, this is a labor of love in a lot of ways. That you guys are over there um, spending your time, your valuable time, uh, that you could be doing whatever else, you know, helping the community and helping to to be a beneficial part of the community that that you don't have to do. And so, you know, first of all, let me just say on behalf of myself that you know I commend you and I appreciate you and others do it because when the times that I've gotten on there and had conversations, it really is kept between the lines. It's uh, you know, you guys go in and add your expertise as you have it. Um, but, by and large, you let people have their discussions, and as long as they 're being respectful of each other uh, that 's what i 've seen on there so you know i I appreciate you and, and others that do that because it does make it far more enjoyable when i 've got on there
1: well, thank you. I appreciate you appreciating me
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so speaking of uh, people getting angry at mods and and you know like you were saying, you only want to do the job if it's if it 's um, fulfilling or, or fun or interesting. how did you or sorry i first i should ask were you there when the whole missile debacle went down and how did you guys handle that
1: you know that was uh probably one of the lower points in the uh in the server um uh, we started off just trying to warn uh and and short mute uh offenders but it it snowballed unfortunately and and Unfortunately, we didn't end up having to mute quite a few people, and there were some bans. Uh, one, of the, one of the kind of the, the unwritten rules there is if if you get muted or if you get banned, and then you immediately come back with an alternative account and start at whatever, whatever you were doing again, we're banning that account just flat out. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So it, it was a mess. I, I can't say it it wasn't. Uh we handled it the best that we could. It was rough. I, I I felt like that was a low point for not just the Discord page, but I also thought so for the community as a whole. I thought that it was you know rolling was a good guy. He's not dead. Uh, rolling is a good guy. I it was I was bummed to see him leave. Some of the mods were bummed to see him leave. But at the end of the day, that's a life choice of his. And to, to glom onto that bandwagon and make it into something more than I think he ever would have wanted it to be. I thought that was, that was, it was, it was sad. And I think it was disrespectful to him the way that some other members acted uh, on his behalf.
2: If you can answer this, uh, what do you feel like is the reason for that level of, of hostility and and all that because I haven't in my time, and, and I'm you know I started playing probably you know a year and a half, two years into the game, but I have never seen this sort of visceral reaction. Don't get me wrong, three point eight was, was uh, probably as close to it as I've seen, and we didn't have Discord channel back then, or the official Discord channel that I that I recall. Um, but I've never seen anything that's that's really had this type of reaction. So why do you feel like the reaction was so strong?
1: Well he's, he's a known commentator, um, appreciated by all. Um, and I think that missiles are a very polarizing subject. Um, I just think it was a perfect storm. It was, you know, people were still upset about the introduction of missiles. Uh, then they saw that their this, this commentator that they really liked was, was moving on. And I've read what he wrote and missiles were a part of it, but there were other aspects to it. Um, as far as the competitive side of the game go i don't think missiles were the only one i think they were maybe the straw that broke the camel's back but i just think we had a perfect storm of of a player base that felt like they weren't being listened to losing a commentator that they really liked uh and they decided it was time to uh, i can't think of a better word way to say it but they decided it was time to throw a fit
2: do you think that they got wargaming's attention on how polarizing the missiles truly have been, and not to go into the specifics of the missiles and whether they're good or bad or not? that's not the point of this question. but obviously, this was a very polarizing topic that you know uh, along with other reasons is a, a reason why a a well-known YouTube contributor left and as a result, had a lot of people that that felt very strongly about it. Do you feel like Wargaming saw this as the issue that it, that it is now, uh, now that this has happened? And, and, and do, they, do they think that, um, that missiles are so polarizing? Do you think that this will be, continue to be a thing that they do in the future where they have these polarizing type of um, of events and, and or mechanics that they implement to the game? I don't know. Um there isn't a lot of transparent we don't know what wargaming's thinking
1: i i just i couldn't say i think that wargaming wants to keep their game fresh and i think they want to keep it unique from the other lines uh, of wargaming product but i i honestly don't know
0: i think another issue that comes into question here when we talk about like people wanting to get wargaming's attention when it comes to poor decisions they make for example 3.8 had a lot of stuff on the com on the uh, forums comments on the forums like uh, jay was saying we didn't have discord that was our only outlet and mods on the forums have far more control than they do on discord in the sense that when you write a, a topic you have to write in a thread and if the mod doesn't like the way that that thread's going they just lock it and that's it the whole thread is gone And then you as a player are forced to start another thread. And if they see threads with two, you know, like common themes, they already know where it's going and they'll just delete that thread. And then you essentially are locked out of talking about the topic. Whereas on Discord, you can't delete an entire chat, right? Like general chat exists, you know, for all players to join into. So there's no way for you to delete general, right? Because then players wouldn't be able to join the Discord or they'd be forced to join some other chat. So when they want to stop players from talking, they have to stop individuals, which is far more difficult to stop an entire conversation about a specific topic uh, when you have to stop them on an individual level, um, which means that it seemed like the outcry or the outburst or whatever of the, the missiles was far bigger than maybe we we initially thought. Like maybe the number of people showing up in a voice chat and you know, having hashtag remove ATGMs visually looked very... Um, you know, whatever you want to call it, scary or, or intimidating, um, and like, look how many people are behind this. But realistically, you know, unless there was some kind of polling data done, there's no way that we could know that the missiles were bigger, like a, a better or worse, I should say, um, issue than like 3.8, for example, or 5.5. Um, so, you know, and and another thing too, is it's just a lot of people will take opportunities to, uh, I'm not gonna say riot, but like, you know, goof off and and take advantage of these people who are actually care about the issue and are trying to make a change and then you know do silly stuff that makes them look bad right like there were people who were honestly just there to protest you know hashtag remove at gems they were sitting quietly in the voice chat and then there were people going in and screaming and yelling at the mods and telling wargaming that you know they were idiots and stuff and that just wasn't acceptable behavior but those you know we shouldn't just combine those and say like well the whole protest was horrible um which is unfortunate but that's just sometimes that's what happens
2: i
1: agree um i think that and and this this you know this was a comment i made kind of chatting with some of the other mods at the time when that started to really balloon and blow up i had a pretty good suspicion that a good chunk of those people had no idea who rolling even was they just saw a bandwagon and they hopped on it now i get that there's there's anger about him leaving and there's anger about the missiles um but like I said, I, I feel like the, the way that reaction went down, it was a disservice to him.
2: So that begs a good question. I think that for anybody that listening would be keen to, to understand, in your opinion, if, if a player has an opinion on X, Y, Z, whether it be you know, the missiles or any other topic or whatever, and they want to... If you will give get wargaming's attention on something or highlight an issue or a concern, what is the best method uh for them to do so? <sighs> or is there, or is it is it such that frankly the player base is so big, and we're just a small drop in the bucket individually that really you don't have a choice, you know, don't bitch transfer, if you will, you know, find another game. Is that, is that what really should go down? Well,
1: I think they read, and this this is such a cop out answer, but if you send two support tickets, or if you reply to a support ticket that you've already sent after they've replied to you, nine times out of 10, you end up getting it to a person. It seems like when you send a support ticket in, the first is just an automated bot response. But if you reply to that, you'll get a response. And I know this for a fact because of my entire fix the fury tirade that I went on a few years ago, which if anything should be evidence that someone who has really pissed wargaming off can get back in their good graces. Because when I was on that tirade, I have heard through the grapevine that I was a topic at a twister meet because of what a stink i was raising over that stupid tank but they read those support tickets if you reply to them and i don't know where it goes from there but you'll get in touch with a person who gives you a response to whatever your comment is i've also seen them active uh i'm not on instagram but i see um posts where wargaming is answering questions on instagram um i just think that they're so you know discord is great But there's so much going on that unless you happen to catch uh, RibbleStripe after he has just posted like a dev answers um, or a balance charts uh, straight after whatever update just came out. Getting in touch with someone there can be very hard to do.
2: Do they they read the discord channels and or the forums for that matter do they read the topics on there and and see what the players are saying to get a feel for it or is it something that they really rely on the mods to kind of get a, a feel for where the player base is
0: um
1: i can't say what they read or what they don't read i don't know um i know
2: that if we have presented an, uh, an issue that it's uh, it's usually answered um a lot of times the answer will will just be a
1: we're aware and we're looking into this or we're trying to fix it um there's not a lot of i don't know i guess i will, th- there's not a lot of back and forth dialogue as well how do you think we should fix it what do you want us to do it's more of a thanks for bringing this to our attention
2: we'll take it from here so they listen to to what you say, and you know they're not maybe interested in your solution, uh, but if you have a problem and it's you know artic- articulated well enough that that it makes sense uh, they can they can understand it they do they do take that into consideration and and then potentially you know implement changes from there. Is that fair to say
1: i don't i w- I don't know if i'd say they I don't know if they take it into consideration or not. I think they listen um. I honestly, I don't, I don't know that I can say what they take away from our conversations. Um, I appreciate the fact that they, they, they listen. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the moderators are just a tiny group of what I think is ultimately a tiny group of the ultimate player base. I mean, how many of our total player base is active on Discord or active on Reddit or active on the forum? And how many of those are all cross-pollinated? Uh, being the same user in multiple places i i think that wargaming looks at a much bigger metric uh than we have access to or we even understand in some cases you know we're we're good players talking to other good players about things that we're not happy about um and a lot of times the a herd mentality will start to form um, where maybe you weren't totally on board but then you talk to you know, a great player from, from Pramo and a great player from Rain, and they're both on the same page. And now you're like, wow, those guys are great. They know what they're talking about. I think I might agree with them now. So I, I think that sometimes a herd mentality can form, and we as a whole are still a pretty small percentage of the total player base. So whatever Wargaming is looking at uh, overall, um, I know there's been some misses, 5.5, 3.8. God, 3.8 still pisses me off. Um, missiles, which I could, you know, we we could go back and forth on. Um, with all these things in mind and some of the balance issues out there, even with all that being looked at, this is still a hell of a game. I really like the game. And for all the little issues and and roadblocks and trips along the way, it's still the only game I play with any consistency.
2: You know, that's been a, um, a topic that we brought up several podcasts, really, where there are awesome things about blitz and, and certainly there there's some things that we don't all agree with whatever that may be whether it be missiles or specific mechanics or op tanks or whatever else but the the truth is the two two takeaways i continue to hear from you and from others that have joined us is, as well as what by and large i think ck and i both believe is there's not a better game out there for what this is uh, certainly not on mobile um, there really isn't any other option. And so you know they have a, somewhat of a monopoly on, the, on this type of game in the mobile market. But then the other thing is, even though you, we may not agree with changes they make or things that they implement, by and large, if whatever they do is completely bro- broken or completely jacks up the game in whatever way it may be, they tend to make a change. Now, they don't do that necessarily the next update. They want enough data to make decisions based on data. But again, by and large, they, they will make changes. It just takes a little time. And so, you know, again, with the missiles, you, you bring that up. We've seen that already. They, they've started to make changes um, little by little just to, to the point where, where they hope to, to be able to balance them. I mean, I think this upcoming update, we're really going to see the big change with the the Sheridan and the movement factor, but also the ability for the, the missiles to move you know up and down left to right on an axis. And so they do these things. they just don't do them overnight. they they want the data on everything. and they do to me, they do listen to players, uh, certainly as an aggregate. Um, it just takes time for them to to put those changes into play.
1: I agree, and i I feel vindicated on the Sheridan because my solution to the sheridan problem has it was to hit the mobility i think the spaced armor is hilarious because the spaced armor just it's a big middle finger to the people who like to spam he at lights and as a, a light player the fact that it is a big middle finger to the people who like to spam he at lights just cracks me up beyond belief but my biggest issue with the sheridan almost since its inception was how quick it is Not just top speed, but how quick it gets going. I mean, it accelerates like a bat out of hell. And the ability to have that acceleration and that speed and the ability to to pop a missile over a ridge, that was no good. I think the missiles are fine, but they need to be on a platform that can be ran down and stomped. And when you put them on something that's that fast, I think that's the real problem. You know, a missile coming out of a, of a, a, a KPF-PZ-70. All right. If that were to happen, yeah, you, you basically would be giving that tank a little bit more gun depression, but a good push is going to kill that tank. He can't run away. But the sure. Sheridan being able to, to roll up to a ridge, get there before anybody else can, pop a missile at whoever's trying to get there, and then run away and do it again from somewhere else, that was that was a problem so between the acceleration nerf on the sheridan and the acceleration buff that's coming for the bat chat i'm super excited um i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be great for the bat chat i'm looking forward to having these british lights in there now Uh, i'll probably still just keep playing the playing the hell out of my t49 because i love that tank so much but i i feel like you're right they they are they're they're listening they're not super fast to react, uh, which I appreciate because if they were super fast to react, that creates a yo-yo effect where okay, quick react. Oh wait, we only based our reaction off of the best players who free would their way up the line, and now we got to go back the other way. And I don't, I don't want to see yo-yo balancing at all.
2: No, I mean that's a great point. To be honest, with that if they were to to make a quick reaction. And then it was a wrong one. Then they have to do it again and then again. And then that just completely jacks up the balance of the game. And, you know, they are very keen to keep the game balanced. And, and CK, you know, you mentioned something. It was last week or, or the week prior that really stuck with me because I think this, is, this holds so true is of all the tiers, tier 10, it's most important for that, that tier to be completely balanced across the board. You don't want an OP tank at tier 10 because there's no way to counter that with a tier 11. There is no tier 11. Um, a tier eight tank that's OP will still have to go against a tier nine, a tier nine tank that's OP will still have to go against a tier 10, but a tier 10 tank will not have anything above it to bring it down and, and balance it whatsoever. And so, you know, the Sheridan was probably as close to uh broken as we've seen in some time with, with all the attributes that you just mentioned, Spartacus. And so um, I'm glad to see them changing this to, to where it is balance again, it, it, they, they're not going to yo-yo. They're not going to do it fast. And, and I think that that leads to frustration with people when they see something immediately and say, Hey, it's broken. When, yeah, everyone knows it's broken, but again, they're not going to make those changes immediately. They just, they're going to get the data first. And even if they have the data, they're going to take their time about doing it. And, um, uh, so when I think that for a lot of us out there, one of the takeaways we can take away from all this is just be patient. If it's jacked up and enough people are saying it, they're going to make the changes.
1: Well, yeah. And it, I don't think it even comes down to people saying it. They, they analyze data. I think they've got a whole whole group of people there are crunching numbers and, and they can see when something is, uh, is out of place. And uh, the charioteer was a great example. I mean, I really don't think the Charioteer should have got as far as it did. I'm not sure why they didn't catch that beforehand, but they were very quick to realize that, oops, we we might have uh, overtuned this a little bit, and they dialed it back. And the Charioteer is still a great tank. It's a fun tank to play. But when it first rolled out, man, that was, that was something.
0: Well, I think a lot of people's judgment about where gaming's balancing decisions might come from the aspect of the the spreadsheet balancing, if you will. Um, because, you know, I work with stats and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of schooling and, and and stuff like that in college for statistics, but there's a lot of ways that uh, even completed, if you want to call it, air quotes, completed information can give you, um, you know, can form a picture for you that isn't whole, right? Or doesn't naturally represent what should be or what ought to be. So, you know, if, if gaming finds that, in their best estimation all of the statistics and information available to them is that the sheridan is perfectly and totally balanced then as a business their only option is to say all right we've did it everything's good there's no reason for us to change this and you can have like you know ten thousand players screaming hey listen man this is unfair um you know we could tell you for a number of reasons why you know it changes the way that the game works and et cetera et cetera and gaming's best option in that case is to ignore those people, unfortunately, and continue balancing the way that they have. Because if they decide at any point in time to change the, the way they balance tanks simply based on people's opinion, then they would have to do that for a variety of tanks, which would cause a whole mess of stuff. So I think a lot of people's, uh, you know, anger or whatever, where, um, you know, their, their feelings of, of, you know, being uh, of unfairness or whatever you want to call it, with the Sheridan also stems for WarGaming's unwillingness to nerf it because all the statistics they have bears out that the tank operates perfectly fine. Um, which, you know, you might have we might have to make more um, statistics, more 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 categories of stats to determine if there are other ways that the Sheridan is unfair, in which that you can then see statistically, yes, it it outperforms other vehicles, and that this is why we should nerf it but uh from all their metrics like the Sheridan seems totally fine. Um so in the future if we're makes, you know, more missile vehicles or more tanks with new mechanics and the the you know, statistically the tanks are doing totally fine, but we as the players dislike it, uh we'll have to find a different way to bring up points of like this is why we think the this mechanic or this vehicle is unfair, this is what should be done to change it or what would make it more fair rather than saying like you know uh, we just don't like the tank like nerf it because to wargaming those points are relevant like their stats bear out that we are wrong and the stats say that the tank is fine um and you know stuff like that happens in life all the time where evidence proves one thing but you know from firsthand experience that this is not true and it's difficult to argue that sometimes so so patience is definitely key there
1: well, I can think of a couple examples where Wargaming has actually done balance adjustments based off opinion, despite the the stats that they were seeing. Um, the, the KPF PC-70, for example, uh, people were screaming that it was under, underpowered, 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 and they gave it a series of buffs to, to try and alleviate that. Um, I think that tank has a unique playstyle, and I think that some players don't adapt to it very well, but... Wargaming made the effort based off of the feedback, and then the other tank is the 183. The 183 is consistently just shit performer on their balance stats, and they have no plans of balancing or of 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 buffing it. Um, And I think that a large part of the nerf that it took was because of community outrage. Um, I think the KV-2 is is a lesser example. Uh, people were upset about the way the KV2 was just one-shotting tier fives and six and and some tier sevens left and right. And when you looked at it on a whole of damage compared to its peers, it may not have been an outlier, but the fact that it was getting that damage in one solid bite was the issue. Uh, same with the 183. But I think, that, I think that Wargaming has done some balance adjustments based off of community feedback, but they are few and far between.
2: Well, I think the uh, the thing that that's missing when we talk about you know how they view it is you can't quantify always the impact of the gameplay, right? And so you know you mentioned the 183 and the KV2; those are great examples. The 183 may have statistically not been impacting the games from a win rate standpoint or a damage standpoint. Though, I, if I recall, the damage uh, average damage was substantially higher than than just about everything. But um they can't quantify the impact those two tanks have on win rate. Or they can on win rate, but they can't show the impact it has to the gameplay. And what I mean by that is when the 183 was at its most gnarly, nasty self where you know it, it could camp and just pop anybody with hash at any moment, people were adjusting their play styles knowing that way three could be around the next corner it's gonna pop me. I remember that. I didn't want to even play tier nine or tier tier ten tier ten at those times because you had to be so conscientious of that one tank. And it it impacted the play, in my opinion, to the to the point where it was unenjoyable because of that. Especially if you had, you know, one or or two or three in game on, on one particular team. And so again, it, it may not have Shown in the stats and the win rate specifically that that the tank was OP or broken, and and maybe the tank wasn't OP or broken, but what it was was a detriment to enjoyable play for everybody else, but the, the person playing it.
0: I mean, those examples are specific in such a way that uh, maybe there was like a certain degree of player outreach that eventually coaxed war gaming into making some you know minor changes to those tanks. But I think the stats in both those cases bore, or like the, the statistical evidence bore out the necessity for the nerfs that they got because, you know, like we were saying, they might not have been the highest in like average damage or win rate, you know, to a degree that, you know, like you see like a T-22 or, or um, you know, the pre-nerf Progetto or something like that or the pre-nerf Fosh. right? They weren't so crazy out of there that it was very clear that it needed a nerf. That might not have been the case but both those tanks were examples like the, the KB2 and uh, 183 were examples of a vehicle that could do so much damage in one shell that no matter how many nerfs you gave to those vehicles all it took was one lucky shot and you would effectively ruin another player's game right so you know with autoloaders or um you know TDs who are very campy very good with with camo like the grill for example um nerfing stats like their speed their penetration, their accuracy, right? Severely dampens their capability to carry. Whereas like a 183, for example, it doesn't matter how bad its accuracy was. It didn't matter how bad its camo was. It didn't matter how bad its speed or armor was. All it needed to do was click the two key and fire Hesh at you literally anywhere. And it didn't matter if you were like a IS-7 or an IS-4 or like a mouse perfectly hauled down, side scraping, whatever. It was going to splash you for like 700 damage, which effectively ruined about a third of your game right? And if it hit you and penetrated you, there goes about 80% of your game, gone. And that, the ability to do that was valued, um, you know, as a as a stat in and of itself, right? Like, it's not uh, something that, or I guess you could just say alpha damage, right? Is a stat that you would quantify so high above the rest that it would, it was deemed unfair to be able to do that, right? So in the case of the 183, it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It is a Not a strong point, but a um, like a crucial statistic that they won't change, right? It's like when you think of the one eight three, you think of like yeah, you know, thirteen hundred alpha damage, whatever it is, right? It's a it's a number that they're they're not willing to change, but they can nerf everything else around it to the point where it seems like the vehicle's garbage, right? Worst damage in class, worst win rate in class, worst you know camo in class. All these stats are justifiable because if you make it any better, the tank just Ruins gameplay. Like there's nothing you can do against it, right? You see it, and then it hits you. There's no way you can angle. There's no way you could side scrape. There's no way you could avoid it. If it shoots anywhere near you, it's going to do damage to you, which is like a, an issue with HESH, with balancing HESH. And the same could be said with the KV-2, right? Everybody loves that 960 Alpha. It's a point of a 152, a tier six. It's so fun. But they they realize the the concept of like if you see a tank that has less than 50 millimeters of armor, which is almost all tier fives, and you just shoot it and it hits it's almost guaranteed to pen. It's almost guaranteed to one shot, which is silly because it's like your game's over. There's nothing you could do. Um, so having H or alpha damage that high warrants you to get nerfed in other ways. Um, so I guess you could say that that was statistically borne out to some degree, right? Like people would say, hey, listen, maybe this tank doesn't have the highest win rate or average damage um, in the case of the KV-2, but you can see in other methods that it like has a very high KD, Right. You might get like three or four kills with a KV-2 because you only need to shoot three or four times and you have an incredible game, right? Normally, any other tank in the game shooting three to four times is irrelevant. Like that's a horrible game in most cases. The 183 shooting three to four times is like a mastery. It's a game winner, right? It's insane. So the ability to do that warrants a nerf. Um, In the case of the KPZ, which I love, that's a really great example. um, I think they did take player opinions, but I, I feel like the reason they we're so lenient on that was because when the KPZ came out, the people who got it were the first thousand people to complete the event, which was like, quote unquote, the best players. So like we're gaming. We're probably
1: cough, cough,
0: cough, cough. Yeah. yeah. We're gaming. We're probably a little lenient on that because if their stats were saying the tank was doing fine, they were probably also assuming in their head, the tank's doing fine because the average of people playing this tank are better than average. They're, they're higher than average, right? Like most of the people ha- that had the first 1,000 KPZs probably weren't 40 percenters. So if those people who are fairly good that got it said, hey, listen, this tank's pretty bad, they took that into consideration and said, maybe we should buff this. And now that the tank is actually available to the public, it's been sold multiple times, it's pretty average for tier 9. Like there's nothing wrong with it and this is post-buff. So I think that was fairly justified.
2: Yes,
1: and they buffed it after the initial, and then I think they buffed it two more times after that. Um, Nothing substantial, but just little buffs here and there. Going to that, going to the the KPFPZ, I think that what gets people with it is it is a very unique playstyle tank. It doesn't play like anything else around it. And honestly, that's what I think premium should be. They should be unique. They don't need to be better, but they should be unique. You know you look at Lorraine uh, or you look at the, the, the KPFPZ. they're both very unique, and, and I think that's, that's what we need. But with that uniqueness, there, there's going to come a degree of a, a group of players who just they can't adapt. It's, it's not an IS4, and, and they can't play it like one.
2: But to your point, Spartan, and I think you're right. That's what makes this game so interesting, and what allows it to grow is the ability for wargaming to add in uniqueness, um, whether it be with a, an auto reloader, or hell, even the missiles. You know, it was a unique thing. That's the whole point is to bring in new aspects to the game that that cause the dynamics in game, the strategies, the tactics in game to change. You know, and, and really, the more uniqueness you have across more tanks or options for tanks rather that means every single game is going to be different and unique right uh it's not a homogenized game over and over again with with seven is fours against seven is fours it's every game is going to be different and that's that's cool i like that I, i like that aspect of it uh and what they've done with the 183 is such where you know, it's a super high alpha, you, you know, it's arguable whether or not that's even necessary or needed in game. Um, I, you know, I've seen people at times talk about, you know, well, why do we even need that, that high in alpha? But because they've done it in the way they've done it now, where they've taken away a lot of the other attributes that it had and really made it all about that, that one alpha shot. It adds a unique play style and it really changes the game in a good way, rather, rather than it being completely negatively impacting or negative impactful. Um, and so that's what I, to your point, I hope to see that more and more, where they add things in game that give us all different options on how to play it, but in a way that, that doesn't break the game. I'll drink to that. Of course, right. that Krang that coming on is uh is probably going to come <laughs> in and destroy everything. So yeah. Yeah. go ahead, go ahead and save your uh, your credits and your your free XP because uh, I think that one may be the next OP thing.
0: I hope so. I I, mean, I was a huge fan in in World of Tanks PC. The idea, of, like, because I love the fifty B as well, and currently in game, it's it's great, it's awesome. And I when I think to myself, I'm like, what does the fifty B really need? Like, what would just ah, would just bring it over the edge, right? And I think more gun depression and I think turret armor. And when you put those together, I just, oh, it makes me want to cry. Tears of joy.
2: I hope it has a 20 uh, kilometer uh, top speed for you, buddy. I really do. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Downhill. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it'll be the target tier 10. I'll take it.
1: That's right. <laughs> so this is, I want to throw a curveball at you. I got questions for you.
0: Uh, I mean, I'll bite. Let's go.
1: All right. Humble beginnings. How'd you guys come up with the names?
0: Okay. Um, I met Jay in the forums when I was making some random, like anti or sorry pro missile argument. Just doing a hot take or whatever. And I was like, you know, <laughs> missiles aren't as bad as everybody's whining about. And I think you know my the the majority of my arguments were like people are overhyping it. Um, I assumed most of the people, like you were talking about Spartacus, were people that didn't even really know what was going on. They saw a bandwagon, they were just jumping on it, and most of the stats bore out that like the missiles were pretty balanced and I uh, you know obviously there were some people that took you know d- didn't like that at all and uh one of them was jay not that he just didn't like it at all but he was just having a good conversation with us and some of the other people were just yelling and screaming but jay had some good points and i was like hey listen man you're making some really good points you know i've been thinking about starting a podcast but we have never had the time and this was around the time when corona just kicked in so like quarantine was in full effect and i thought you know better now than never, right? You know, We got literally nothing else to do. You go home from work and you're literally forced to stay at home. So we start this podcast up and then I go, well, I need a name for it. And I wasn't even talking to Jay at this point. Like we had just come up with the idea. We were just like, Hey, do you want to start a podcast? Yeah, sure. Whatever. And I was like, all right, uh, let me go on this site. Let me make a podcast. I'm, I'm typing it up. I'm like, where do I start a podcast? Found a couple places, you know, paid like whatever, $5 subscription fee to have my podcast hosted on this place. And I go, Oh, you know, it says your podcast needs a name. And I was like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know what to name my podcast. And on the corner of that screen of the, of the website that says like, you know, here's where your podcast is going to be. Here's where you, what you should name it. Here's some tips. If you want help making a podcast or whatever. And in the corner, it says, um, this is where your beginnings start. And I was like, Oh, okay. Something beginning, beginning, something beginning. And I was like, I should take some notes from Joe Rogan I love his podcast. Great podcast. But he talks about a bunch of crazy stuff, and he has very long podcasts. That wasn't my initial envisionment, but you know, I'm a fan of his podcasts, and I go. Then watch. you had
1: positive on, and now you're having more and podcasts.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe right, but um, you know, so I go, I, I click a random Joe Rogan podcast, and within the first five minutes, the theme of the podcast was being humble, and I was like, you know what, that's a great theme, and so I said, humble beginnings will be the start of it, but I then like as soon as I, you know, got. Uh, the title down i realized that there is a like subsection or whatever you can you can write a little bit about your podcast as like title and then what your podcast is about and in the the section where it says what is your podcast about it says as like a tip um in like you know half grade out writing when writing a uh topic make sure it's not too long and not too vague and i go oh yeah um I should probably write something that actually explains what we're talking about not just humble beginnings right because nobody would know <laughs> if they just rolled across it they, they don't have no clue that relates to blitz like there's nothing it doesn't say anything about blitz and um and i thought about that and i went that's a you know what that's a good idea that's a good tip i'll change it to something else it'll be like blitz podcast 101 or something or like learning blitz something whatever and i and i saved it as humble beginnings J and i you know, did our first podcast. We went over and I pasted it and, and out comes the first podcast and it goes, you know, humble beginnings, episode one. And I go, shit, I was supposed to change the name (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and I just left it. And there, you know, there, there she's been. And I think it's a pretty good name.
1: It's a good name. I was just curious where it came from. Okay. So CK, you said you came from, uh, uh, PC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I played that uh, in 2010 when the game came out.
1: What made you change? What made you switch? What was your, your moment?
0: Uh, my moment was, uh, so when I was in high school, would have been like, I don't know, grade 10. Uh, you know, I started playing PC or probably earlier than that, grade, grade nine or something like that when it came out. You know, I played a little bit, maybe a year, year and a half. And my buddy, you know, we're sitting each other uh, across from each other in like the lunchroom or whatever. He's playing on his phone. I'm like, what you doing? He's like, I'm playing uh, World of Tanks. I was like, what do you mean? World of Tanks is on the computer and he's like no 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 they have a mobile version i was like oh that's cool he's like you should play i was like i don't do mobile games i'm awful at mobile games he goes oh don't worry about it they just added a version of world of tanks blitz on the computer which you can only access through windows 10 which i had you know windows 10 on one of my computers on my laptop and i said okay i'll try it out And I played it and like the smaller games, the smaller time limit, the smaller community, I was huge about that stuff. I was like, this is amazing. And I never looked back.
2: Okay. Very cool. What about you, Jay? You know, it's, uh, I used to travel for my job quite a bit. I was a, um, I was working in transportation uh, consulting. And so I was on the road just about every week, all over the U.S. And I would, I got to the point where I'd get to the hotel room, wrap up the emails, and then look for something to do. And, and I'd either go work out, or I'd go to the bar. And I realized going to the bar is not a good thing constantly. That's how you start putting on weights, just not healthy overall, over and over and over again uh, throughout the week. And so I, I was looking for something to do, thought about maybe getting like a uh, one of the Nintendo Switches or something, and hadn't got to the point of buying it. And so I started looking at mobile games and I saw World of Tanks Blitz. And I played World of Tanks PC when it first came out in like 2010, 2011, whatever it was. I mean, within you know, a couple of weeks of it coming out and only played, I don't know, 100 battles or something like that. And I enjoyed it at the time, but then I had a kid and just didn't have time. And so I, I saw the game, started playing it and I'm like, this is awesome. And really started to get into it where I you know, I'd get done with a, a meeting and then go back to the hotel and play for a few hours. And then I got into a good clan, a clan is fourth R back in the day. I don't know if you guys ever saw any of the guys from that, uh, space dog from purple was in it and catalyst 46 and some other guys that, that are fairly well-known in the community. And I got into that clan and started playing in some of the tournaments to the point where I would, uh, I'd end a business dinner, you know, maybe half lit and get back to the hotel room and and try to play in tournament and just really started to enjoy it. And, um, and I'm fortunate that my wife is such that she may not mind me spending some money on it as long as I wasn't going out and, you know, getting hammered at the bar and things like that. So it worked out well to, to, to keep me in the room and to be able to do that. And uh, it, it ended up being a lot of fun. And I met a lot of good people over the, over the last few years that I still stay in touch with, and, and I've really enjoyed it.
1: Very cool. That's awesome. So You've got a similar, similar story to mine
2: where just
1: started, I started on console and uh you can't bring the xbox with you xbox with you when you're traveling so i heard blitz came out i probably paid 15 20 games on it and realized that i'm horrible just absolutely horrible at mobile games and i put it away until it was rolled out to windows 10 and i haven't i haven't gone back i i think i've booted up console just to you know grab the free tank every once in a while for halloween or for for christmas but uh, this game's got me i don't know i don't know what it is but damn it's fun
2: so you're a pc player i mean when i say pc you're a world of tanks blitz player on pc i
1: am i am one of those just filthy animals who went and bought a gaming laptop to play blitz
0: i got you there buddy don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean it's always great to have that one hobby right like there's there's going to be plenty of things in your life that you consider small hobbies, right? Like I'll, I'll play chess or whatever. I'll play board games. You know, I love those things. But you don't do it every night, right? Like it, it would numb your brain <laughs> to to just play like Monopoly or something or or you know whatever. Yeah. Sorry or whatever every day. You can't do it. But there's always going to be one game. And I think um, this was a big revelation for me when I was like really young, when I was like a small kid. You know, I was like five. You know, to like ten years old. I thought you know the more games you have, the better, right? You play console or whatever. Um, Or on your laptop uh the more games you have you know the more things that you can do that's more interesting but as i got older i realized yeah you don't need all those because you'll get you know you'll forget what you were doing in one game you'll come back like a week or two weeks later and go what was going on here i have no clue i can't remember um and then you might ruin your progress or whatever so instead of having a wide variety of games it was way more entertaining just have one game especially if you were good at that game like it was so much more fun than, uh, than having like a multitude of games that you didn't remember you were playing or you're not very good at. So I think if you're really invested in Blitz, if you buy like two or three premiums and you're like, yeah, you know, I want to start grinding all the tanks in the game, that'll fulfill you way more than like playing, you know, 60, 70 different console games.
2: I want well, to segue off of what you said. Uh, I will say CK that from a multiplayer standpoint, I 100% agree. I still enjoy just like I enjoy a good book uh I enjoy a good story driven game as well whether it be you know uh, a legend of zelda type game or or even a gears of war or something like that that has a story driven mode um I wouldn't want to spend the time on multiple multiplayer games but there's so much good content out there so many good games out there that that have good stories now it's so far beyond what it was even 10 years ago that um I don't mind popping in a, a good game like that, but I do. I have found that I keep coming back to Blitz over and over again. I, and there's been you know months at a time where I, I try to go do something else, go play another game, or even just not play anything, whatever it may be. And I keep coming back to it. And uh, I think you know it's one because I'm comfortable with it. I, I've invested enough time and money into it, and then I'm also good enough—not uh, great, by any stretch of imagination—but I'm good enough to to be able to enjoy it and be impactful in game. And so um, the one thing I've seen over and over again with Blitz is it has a fairly loyal community where there are quite a few players that are still playing Blitz five, six years on. I mean, here we're almost on our six-year anniversary of Blitz. And so um, there, there's still quite a few
0: people that, that continue to do that. It's
1: definitely the Hotel California video game. <laughs>
0: Uh, it might also come down to people wanting to uh, to not throw out like multiple hundreds of dollars. Like if you bought a lot of Terry <laughs> and you're like, oh man, I you know, video games probably not super healthy for me to play all the time. Maybe I'll you know change hobbies to something else. This can be a little harder for you to let go when you're like, you know, this account is worth probably like eight hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not something people are gonna easily toss away.
2: The day it yeah. shuts down, they need to send everybody a, uh, a receipt for all the money they sent in-game. Uh, or, or hell, just send to the spouses if, if you really want to stir shit up. Um, and, and that way, we, everyone can see what they spend on-game. Because I'd be almost embarrassed to see
1: what I it's want spend little models of all the tanks I bought.
0: <laughs> that's what I want. Oh, yeah? If they ever close down the servers for good, they should send that to us. Like a giant package from Amazon that's like, here's a little model version no no bigger than like your index finger of just like every single uh tank you've ever bought with like moving turrets and stuff and you can be like this was this was what it was all worth for guys little micro machines little yeah. super perfect micro machine <laughs>
2: awesome. yep. and when you flip it upside down it shows what you paid for it originally and you look at someone like oh <laughs> yeah. shit
0: you paid, uh, <laughs> you paid 70 dollars for this like no 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 listen listen <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that's one of those things that you know they there's a that joke out there that um you know, uh, a wife it, it goes to sell her husband's motorcycle for the amount that he said he paid for it, and it's it's like that. I, you know, I I tell my, I hate to say it, I'm very honest with my wife in general, but I tell her I pay a certain amount for this game, and, and if she ever looked into it, she'd be like, "You're not being honest in this case." I mean, that <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's some pretty pricey tanks out there.
1: I hope she doesn't listen to this.
0: Um, uh She does. <laughs> we might we, we might uh, mute it out. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, but the other thing is that, uh, you can get by, um, you know, in a lot of excuses by saying, oh, the tanks are free. So, and I mean, I guess this is psychologically, this is probably not great for people who should be paying attention, you know, to the money that they're spending, right? Keeping themselves in check. But, uh, a lot of people will say, oh yeah, well, all these tanks were for free. So like, if I get all these tanks for free, I'm not actually spending as much as I think on the game, but realistically, if you spent like three, four, five, six, seven plus you know 10 plus days grinding a tank that's time that you could have spent earning more money you know what i mean (laughs) like or doing something more beneficial to you so nothing's really free when you think about like all the effort you put in to get these free tanks
1: you were to look at like the the return on investment for what you've put into it versus what you've gotten out of it break down the amount of time you've played and and divide it out by the dollars you've spent it's still probably the cheapest damn entertainment out there I mean, it's a whole lot cheaper than going to the strip club.
0: Fair enough.
2: <laughs> well, and, and to your point, I mean, I think that's a great point, Sparkus, is that, you know, I appreciate that, that everyone's budget's different and, and for some can spend more than others or whatever else and, uh, and all that. But when it comes to being free to play, being free to play because of the budget's one thing, being free to play as a badge of honor that doesn't make sense to me in the sense that it's your entertainment you know you're spending valuable time that you could be doing whatever else on this game why not try to make it as enjoyable as possible and again there's a balance there you know there some of us try spend too much and and all that but at the same time i don't fully understand that well this is i'm free to play well, well congratulations that's fine you're just making yourself miserable you know and that's where for those of us that 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 put a lot of time into it, there's nothing wrong with spending a little money on this because it is one. It's far cheaper than going to the strip club or the bar or wherever else. But also, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do something for entertainment, I'm gonna try to maximize that time as much as possible.
0: Well, I think the the underlying issue there is that people who are free to play, I mean, they don't necessarily. Maybe you don't wear it as a badge of honor, but if you're like a fairly young person you know um 20 or under and let's say you have some money to spend you know you're not limited by anything like if you're like 18 or something you're in high school you don't have a you know a, a house that you have to pay you don't have bills to pay right you're still living with your parents something like that and you're and your parents are fairly well off right so and let's say you're getting um What's that? Not salary. What's that stuff that parents give their kids? Allowance. Yeah, right. Thank you. So if you're getting allowance, you're, you know, a free soul in the sense that you can spend that money however you wish, right? On food, games, whatever. Um, If that's the kind of situation you're in, then, you know, you could be spending all that allowance that, you know, all the money that you have on on tanks. But I think the, the um, thought process a lot of people have is that, you know, the game is, quote unquote, free to play. And so, therefore, not buying premiums should not be making me miserable you know what i mean like i should be able to have the best and most fun experience without having to buy any premiums or having to buy any premium time and that's just not the case right like the game is clearly has a pay-to-win aspect on it and we all know this and you're gonna find more pleasure in buying premium time having easier grinds having free xp and not having to grind stock tanks everybody knows this But there's this kind of like expectation that as a free-to-play game, you shouldn't be miserable just because you don't want to spend money.
1: All right, I'm going to just totally flip this apple cart right now. I think that you can be free-to-play and still do very well if you manage your resources correctly. A good player who is free-to-play can play in any tier they want, Wargaming gives out so many free premiums just along the way that can help bolster the credit income. And one of the, the more common complaints I hear is, well, I have to play it stock. I have to play this tank stock. I have to play my crew stock. And you don't have to. I'm sorry. It's not a race to get to the next tier. If you've got a tank unlocked and you've, you've, you've got it trained, you've got it, you enjoy it. You just play the hell out of it you accumulate your credits, you accumulate your free xp, you watch your gold for ads, and when it's when the time comes to move up that line, you should have the gold necessary to train your crew. You can have the free xp ready to go. There's nothing in this game that's a race. There's no race to get to tier 10. So, a free to play player can play just as competitively as a someone who pays in. Now they may not have every tank, that that I'll I'll grant you that. But in the tanks that they've played, they can be just as competitive as someone who has free XP'd and bought their free XP and golded and bought every premium in the game. They just can't go as quickly. I personally think this game is a pay to advance game. I don't think it's a pay to win
0: game. Well, certainly I think a lot of people can find their um time and, and efforts being uh, squeezed if you will uh, when it comes to the competitive side so like i like you said there's no race to do anything in this game you could take as long as you want um, to get every tank in the game and you know if on average it takes you like three months to get a single tank uh, up to tier 10 and there's like 25 tier 10s then you know like i'll see you in eight years but uh, or more (laughs) but i think with a lot of competitive people you know when they want to play things like twister uh, they feel you know um, pressured for time to get the whatever happens to be the new best tank at that year you know depending on the the buffs and nerfs so you know there'll be a couple tanks that maybe you know stayed relevant and so they got lucky you know the is4 268 whatever it be, maybe, and just be, you know by virtue of having it they're good they can always play competitive and as long as they play that one tank they're fine but you know there will be sometimes when a new vehicle comes out um you know especially if you play like tier 8 for example where the premiums get shot out left and right um where if if you don't have that newest you know best thing you're just not going to be able to compete with other people who spend the money to get it or grind up to get it right like the charioteer when it came out or the 252u or the wz120 so if you don't spend the money to get these tanks or you know spend the uh time grinding really like obsessively through or just spamming free xp you might not be able to compete at the same level which is i think where some of the people who want to be free to play but also want to be competitive find a bit of you know like back and forth
1: that's a very fair point i i probably should have framed this from the beginning i am i think the best way to categorize me as a player is i'm a casual tryhard. um i'm not a competitive player i'm not i don't go to tournaments i've never done a tournament um so for me it's just a matter of I'm going to do what I enjoy because this is a hobby. Now, if you're a competitive player and you need to have that that number one tank for whatever you're setting out to do, then I guess I, I could see the argument that it is pay to win. Um, but I don't I don't how many of the when you look at our player base as a whole, what is the what subset of our player base is that competitive? I mean, twenty five percent? 30%, if that. So I think for the average player, and I, I, I know I've kind of, I've moved far beyond what I ever expected to be with this game, but I tell myself I am the average player. I mean, I know I'm, I'm modding on Discord, and for some whatever reason, you guys invited me on here. Um, but I feel like I'm still just, I'm just me playing a game I enjoy. And I think from, from that perspective, going up against other people who are just playing a game that they enjoy, if you plan things out and you prioritize what you want to accomplish in the game, I think you can be very competitive as a free to play player.
0: For sure. And, and uh, I think there's like, especially the, my first three or four years playing, uh, like my first year and a half playing uh, PC, and then my first couple of years here on, on Blitz, like I was completely free to play simply because i was in high school at the time and therefore i had no money um none was given to me and uh you know i was thinking about as my for my first career option i was thinking about joining the military as soon as i left high school so you know i didn't have any money for blitz i didn't ask for any money i knew it wasn't necessary my parents weren't going to give it to me um and i didn't want to go get a part-time job just so i could spend it on a mobile game it didn't really make sense to me so i was like that's fine like i don't need to um to Get premium tanks or, or you know, speed up uh, stock grinds, and I found a massive amount of success. Now, I won't say that every player is going to be able to achieve what I achieved, but I'm just saying there's like, you know, you're totally right. Like, there's no reason, um, you know, that you couldn't do as well if you had free XP'd all the modules right off the bat versus just, you know, taking your time to grind other tanks and then come back later once you've achieved, you know, everything that was necessary. Um, It's just it feels very cumbersome when you look at like the game as a whole like if you joined today and you were like i watched some bushka videos or i watched some some uh you know skate videos and i see that they're talking about all these new and shiny beautiful tanks and i'm like yeah i want these and then you like plan it out and you're like all right i gotta play this tank you know x amount of times to get all the free xp and modules and stuff um or the free xp necessary to to max out all the modules and and i gotta watch this many ads to get the gold necessary to max out my crews and you count it all up you're like this is going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to take a long time before you get to play the tanks you want to play.
1: It is, and I, I think that, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I just unlocked the IS-4 maybe two months ago. Like, I would set myself, my sight on something that I wanted, and I would just kind of put the blinders on to everything else. I, I don't I, I guess I just kind of became hyper-focused on whatever I wanted to accomplish there. But, like, the European mediums, I still haven't started that grind. I don't even know if I will. Um I've got it planned out that I want to do I wanted to get the IS4 and next I want to to do the British lights and then after that I'm going to do the Japanese mediums. I mean, I've got it kind of in line as to how I want to do it and I'm not going to drop a bunch of cash doing it, but I'm also sure as hell not going to play any of the Japanese mediums stock. I'd rather play in traffic. So I I've I've planned this stuff out and i'm just staying kind of in my zone as far as what i want to accomplish and i think if more more players did that i think that i think it would you know coming back to the state of the player base i think if people would stick with the line and really make it a point and play a tank they enjoy uh they would come away as better players because they'd understand how their tank operates you know someone with you mentioned the Panther Two. Someone with a thousand games in the Panther Two is most likely going to be a pretty damn good Panther Two player. You know, you can't play a thousand games in a tank and not be decent at it.
0: Um, uh, we could. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I I know there's e100 drivers to differ who who disagree, but I practice to an extent makes perfect, and. Um, I think if people were to to dwell on one line and play a tank they enjoy until they've saved up the free XP to go on to and fully upgrade the next tank in the line, I I think that on a whole we would see better players. I'm not saying it would work for everybody, but I think it I think it could uh, I think it could help.
2: I'll hundred percent get behind that because I know that for my first however many years, to me it was all about get that next line, get the next line, get it as fast as you can, get it as fast as you can and I did some of the things correctly from you know the modules and, and some of that, but, but certainly didn't take the time to truly learn the tank or appreciate the tank. It was more fast grind, as fast as possible, get up the line. And, and as a result, I mean, my stats will never be what my 30-day stats are um, just for the fact that I spent so many battles doing that. And I think that's a great point, Spartan, that taking your time and and enjoying the tank that you're playing and learning it, you know, and some tanks they're, they're hard to enjoy. I get that, but by and large, taking your time to enjoy the tank and and learn the the nuances and the intricacies of that tank and then playing that tank to the maximum of its ability rather than just rushing up as fast as possible uh, leads to a better playing experience. Um, If you're willing to do that, I mean, you know, A lot of people aren't going to. I wasn't able to, uh, or not willing to, rather. uh, But if you can, I I do think it leads to a better playing experience.
1: I think another thing to consider is, I know when I first started, I was very much a, wow, that tank just kicked my ass. I got to have that tank. And I know I'm going to be kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here. There are some tanks in the game that are overpowered right now. We all know what they are. But... At the same time, I've reached the point now where I don't really see overpowered tanks. I see overpowered drivers. And when I get my ass handed to me by a player, nine times out of 10, I'm going to look at it and go, that guy was just better than me. You know, um, I've ran across TJ multiple times in the morning and he kicks my ass every time. And it's not because of the tank he's playing, it's because my twitch reflexes suck and he's better than me. So, I think once people realize that, you know, it's not the tank that's beating you. I had a, I had a, um, a, a tankenstein, which admittedly is pretty much a piece of shit, but he raged at me and said, I was playing a pay to win tank because I, I beat him so solidly this morning. And it wasn't because his tank was crappy and my tank was bad or was good. It was because he parked his tank in the middle of a field with nothing around him. It's, it's the drivers that we need to worry about. I don't, I don't really see the, you know, I'm kind of hopping around here. When I started, I saw a tank that beat me, and I saw a tank that beat me. I didn't see the player behind it, and I wanted that tank. Man, if that tank is that good, I got to have it. And once I got out of that mentality and started seeing that the drivers are what's beating me, it reset my whole train of thought
0: yeah for sure there's definitely some you know tanks that we can all eye out and we go that could be a threat you know based on the position or where it ends up you know regardless of who's driving it it might cause an issue you know if you're if you have to fight like a haul down is four, there's no way you're going to be able to pen it right you you go you got to look out for those but more often than not yeah the main issue is generally the the players and like you know if you got a a 70 percent player in a centurion (laughs) <laughs> you know it might be a garbage tank but he's still going to make the best of it he's going to be in the most annoying positions you know doing the most amount of damage on the team and that's somebody you know that you got to watch out for that's something you got to pay attention to and build your strategy around more so than just you know they have a 252 two, you. so i'll just focus that guy right because he might end up being yeah. a garbage player that does zero damage you, you never know i hope that a lot of players kind of you know see what you see spart and and you know ease up on their mindset and and really just kind of enjoy you know the te- the, the game for what it is right I, It's a tank game. Shoot them up. You know, go blow some people up. If you lose at the end of the day, it's fine.
1: I agree. Except for the losing part. I still hate losing.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Um, You know, it was a pleasure having you on, Spart. Thanks so much for coming.
1: I really appreciate you guys
0: inviting me. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no worries. We'd love to have you back anytime. And uh, for now, uh, I think we passed two hours, so it's been pretty good. If you uh, guys are still awake watching out there, thanks so much for coming hope to hope to see you guys in the next episode peace out and have a good night